What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from the Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We're not going to be a migrant camp, says Donald Trump. Yeah, that's exactly what we have set up on the Mexican border and filled it with kids. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? It is the Bill Press Show on a Tuesday, Tuesday, June 19. Whoa. Have you ever seen such a mess? Have you ever seen such an outrage? Have you ever seen such an evil action on the part of the federal government? And it's all Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions, Stephen Miller, John Kelly and Kirsten Nielsen, they're the ones in charge. Shame, shame, shame. Wow, great to see you today. Lots to talk about. It goes on and on. They are not backing down, uh, and they're just uh, digging in. And now Donald Trump is coming up to Congress today to blame it all on Congress and see if he can't get the Republicans to bail him out after he's blamed them for this mess with the kids' detention down at the border. We'll uh, bring you up to date on the latest on every aspect of that wild uh, press briefing yesterday with the uh, Secretary of uh, um, D- the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Donald Trump's own comments, what's happening, the silence among Republicans in Congress, and the outrage among almost everybody else in this country. We'll bring you up to date and uh, let you sound off as well. You know how to do so? Just pick up your device and uh, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, on Twitter, at BP Show. Lots to talk about, so we'll get right to it. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. What a nightmare in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm sure you've flown through the Charlotte Airport before, yeah, Bill. Yeah, it's a big hub. Yeah. Yesterday, American Airlines... Had a major white rocking rocking chairs. chairs. Yeah, exactly. I love those rocking chairs in the Charlotte airport. Well, yesterday, American Airlines had a major problem with their computers that left one of their key regional carriers unable to fly to or from the Charlotte airport. So Mm. what happened is 
it stranded hundreds and hundreds of passengers. Connecting flights. Yeah, connecting flights. So what what basically was happening, here's one passenger who got stuck. They would get their flight, and then it would get canceled, and they would be given a new flight. So they thought everything was okay, but then that flight would get canceled. And then they would be given a new flight, and they thought everything would be okay, and then Whoa. that flight would be canceled. Here's one passenger that it happened to her four times. It was canceled four times. Four times they had that she had her flight canceled. And in case you're looking for some good news, yesterday the spokesperson for American Airlines says, quote, we do not know when this problem is going to be oh. fixed. So it's still going on. Uh, so mm. if you have a connecting flight or any flight out of God. Charlotte Airport, you might want to double check. I can't tell you how many times I've flown in and out of Charlotte. Sure. Every time I went to Asheville. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, you know, here in Washington, D.C., we do have a Stanley Cup for the Washington Capitals. But you know what we don't have? A head coach. Yesterday, the Capitals oh, yep, head coach, yep. Barry Trotz, announced that he is going to resign. He's a free agent now. I'd say he struck when the iron was hot. He won a national uh, cha- or championship, won a Stanley right, Cup championship. Right. So I would imagine his stock is pretty high. Some people have pointed out that when he signed on to coach the Capitals, he didn't make a ton of money. And since then, the salary for coaches have just exploded. And so now he yeah, can sort huh. of cash in on that. And that is why he is stepping away. So the Nationals have a cup, don't have a coach. Don't have a coach. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ovi, it, or maybe he may go with the player coach. Yeah. May go with the player coach. Yeah, I'm all for it. By the way, if you have a child who is, <laughs> you might think is playing too many video games, the World Health Organization yesterday issued a uh, new list of internal classifications of diseases, one of them including gaming disorder. Gaming Mm -hmm. disorder. They say impaired control over gaming, duration, termination, and context. Increasing priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedent over other life interests and daily activities is an actual affliction. So, How about just a cell phone disorder? Oh, I'm sure that's already something. I feel very confident that's something. I know a lot of people with it. This is the Bill Press Show. Shame. Yeah, shame on Donald Trump for instituting this zero-tolerance policy and shame on us if we allow it to continue. What do you say, everybody? Hello, hello, hello on a June, ni- June 19, a big Tuesday. Welcome to the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us today. It is just, uh, it's just unbelievable what's going on. Uh, and that this is the United States of America with this policy, and we can see it, we can hear it, we can smell it, and Donald Trump denies it. Uh, talk about uh, something that could, that ripping, ripping this country apart. Uh, the outrage over the enforcement absolute enforcement of this zero-tolerance policy down at the border, ripping apart these families, and then insisting that everything is fine, the parents are happy, the kids are happy, and we're doing such a great job. What happened to our soul, What the soul of America? 
Uh, and I, I'm just so sick of, um, so much to talk about today, but so sick of the media treating this. And the first thing they usually say is, and Democrats are uh, raising hell about this and uh, maybe even a couple of Republicans. This is not a partisan issue. Stop dealing with it like an election. Stop dealing that the Democrats are ahead of the Republicans. The Republicans said the Democrats. Forget political parties. This has nothing to do with politics. Nothing to do with political parties. This is all about who we are as a people. This is all about our children, our kids. This is a moral issue. It's not a political issue. It's not a partisan issue. On that note, we open the Bill Press Show today and look forward to hearing from you about it. As we come to you live all around the globe, particularly here in the United States, coast to coast, uh, we tell you all the time on any platform at all that we can get on, uh, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV and Coast to Coast, and of course on the radio statewide in Indiana, Indiana Talks, and in the greater Chicago area. Hello, WCPT. Great to have you with us today. Uh, there may be a couple of other things to talk about, but we're focusing right now on this on this big story, the biggest story. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I had a weird out-of-body experience yesterday. Uh, I, I sort of um, felt that I was, you know, was kind of like taking a nap, taking a little, a little dream. I had a dream that I was back in the World War II days. I was back in Nazi Germany. I was back as a reporter. I went to this press conference, and I heard the top general for the SS giving a briefing happened to be a woman. And she told all kinds of lies defending what the Nazis were doing, rounding people up and putting them in these concentration camps. She said, the law requires it. She said, we have no choice but to enforce the law. And she said, actually, these people are doing fine. They're, they're happy. We're taking good care of them. They got good smiles on their face. And then I woke up and I realized it wasn't a dream. This was Kirsten Nielsen the secretary of H of Department of Homeland Security at the White House at the briefing. Unbelievable. I have never seen a performance like that where she came out. And, you know, ahead of time, if you were watching, all the people in cable news were saying, well, there's been so much outrage by Republicans as well as Democrats that maybe uh, she's going to come out and say, we've talked to the president, the president and I, we just got out of a meeting and we're going to suspend the enforcement of this policy because we. And I kept thinking, I kept saying to myself, "You're out of your I know. freaking mind if I you know. think that's going to happen." I, I saw some of that yesterday, I, and I, I was just thinking to myself, "What? Yeah. What are they thinking? Yeah, have they not been paying attention? No, right." So she comes out. By the way, first time I'd seen her like really perform in public. Wow, scary, and with a smile on her face, she stood up there and lied. Lied, lied, lied. First of all, she approached the whole thing as if it was just numbers. Well, we have to tell you, I'm going to start by giving you some numbers. We've had this many people come across the border in this month, and we had this many people last month, and some, a certain percentage of them are kids, and the, the arrest for people with a criminal record is da 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 It was all numbers. No heart, no empathy. No realization that we're talking about children. We're talking about some of them in diapers. And all she wanted to give us was the numbers as if to say, 
There's so many people, you know, we have no choice but to round them all up and put them in these detention camps, right? So many people. I mean, yeah, so many people. Okay, you could replace that so many people with so many blacks, so many Mexicans, so many Jews. Not a stretch. Not a stretch. The numbers justify it all, is what she started out by saying. You know, it, it's sort of like when you look at the history of the Holocaust. This is the stuff you hear. There's a lesson there about what they did to Jews in concentration camps. They dehumanized them. They didn't even look human. Because that way it's a lot easier to do these horrible things to these well, people. Well, well, when you reduce them to just numbers on a page. Absolutely. It makes it a lot easier to rip children away from their parents. Right. And this woman who's in charge of this project, and we'll, we'll get to a little uh, what some of the things she said here in a second, but she admitted she had not even seen the photos that were released yesterday by the government, by her agency of these kids in cages. She hadn't even seen the photos. She hadn't even heard the audio of these kids crying for their parents. She admitted that, and she's in charge of the policy. And again, the lies she told. The lies, number one, we have no choice. Wrong. They've got every choice. They started this policy in April. They could end it today. First lie. Second lie, only Congress can fix it. Lie, lie, lie. Congress didn't do this. They did it. They adopted, go back, April this year, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, we're going to start this zero-tolerance policy. That's when it started. That's when they started taking the kids away from their parents. And that's what they still are doing today. And that's what they defend doing today. Only Congress can fix it? No. The president, pick up the phone, one, one call. One phone call to Jeff Sessions, it's over. Hey, Jeff. Hey, buddy, my pal, I know we agreed we were going to do this in April, but look, you know, Jeff, I'm getting a lot of crap for this. I mean, this is not working out. Let's just face it. Stop it. It's all it takes. It's all it would take. Why, why won't Donald Trump do it? Because he wants those kids where they are. They did this deliberately to raise an outrage like this so they can get Congress to pass a bill that will include $25 million to build Donald Trump's freaking wall. That's what it's all about. They're using these kids. They're deliberately setting up a situation to use these kids as pawns, as hostages to get the wall. That's the second lie. Only Congress can fix it. Third lie, she said, hey, this is, by the way, she said, as part of it, this isn't controversial. She actually said this isn't controversial, right? But she also said that uh, this is, she said, this is nothing new. George Bush did this. Barack Obama did this. We're just doing what they... That's a lie. It's a lie. George Bush did not do this. Barack Obama did not separate these kids from their family. They did not do it. To say that they did... I mean, look what First Lady Laura Bush said about this policy. I mean, they could have done it. They, they realized it was wrong to do it, and they didn't do it. So, another lie. And then the fourth thing is she said... That these kids are being well taken care of. They're very happy. Yeah. They're having a good time. We're feeding them. They have, they, they, you know, they have places to sleep. We give them a bath. Mm-hmm. And God knows what else. They can play. I mean, the whole thing. That these kids are happy. They, they have smiles on their faces. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
let's listen to, uh, maybe we should listen to, here's, here's, this was released yesterday by ProPublica. Um, there's a little audio of, uh, if you go down to one of these uh, centers, these migrant camps, these detention camps, um, here's what it sounds like for the kids. Papa, papa, you can hear that. Yeah, sound sound happy to me, huh? Yeah, they're well taken care of. And then Kirsten Nielsen telling everybody yesterday. Oh, please, when you write your stories, be sure to put in a good word about the great job the guards are doing, the great job our people are doing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, a part of the video. The video, by the way, God. I encourage you to go listen to it. It, it is very disturbing. Uh, and it's about seven and a half minutes long of the audio that they have. There's at one point in the video, uh, which you can't see it. It's just it's just audio. Yeah. But they, they have subtitles up there so you can, you can see what some, some of these kids and some of the parents are saying. There is a guard there who says, makes a joke about it, and says, it's like we have an orchestra here of all the kids crying in unison. And he says, it's like we have an orchestra here. All they need is a conductor. Oh, whoa, whoa. That's who we're That's, dealing with. Yeah. Those are the fascist pigs that we're dealing with. Yeah, right. Uh, again, uh, so it started yesterday with um, Donald Trump, but don't forget this is his policy. The language that he's using today, um, and by the way, Kirsten Nielsen used again yesterday, describing the people who are coming across the border, for the most part, as criminals, as rapists, as drug smugglers, as terrorists. All the words she used yesterday to describe the parents. So, of course, we have to take their kids away from them. Oh, of course, most of them are MS-13 members, too, right? Same language coming from Donald Trump. This is the same language he started his campaign for presidency on back in Trump Tower. So he says yesterday with Mike Pence standing right alongside of him, no migrant camp, Uh uh-uh, this is not what we're going to do, no. The United States will not be a migrant camp, and it will not be a refugee-holding facility. Won't be. Uh... Oh, yeah? That's exactly... It's, it's a, little, ex- too, a little too late. That's exactly what you, you've set up, Donald, and don't deny it. Right. So then again, he has to turn around right away and say, look, um, here's the problem, Donald Trump again. It's these laws. These We're stuck with these horrible laws. We have no choice. We could have an immigration bill. We could have child separation. We're stuck with these horrible laws. They're horrible laws. No, 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 no. And I do give the credit to media credit for this, that everybody is, is pointing out that that's not, what he's saying is just not true. The law does not require what they're doing. This is a policy, a zero-tolerance policy, adopted by the administration again, announced by Jeff Sessions in April 2018. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I know. 
Yeah. With, he, with he and Nielsen and Sarah Huckabee Sanders go out and say, well, we got to fix the laws. The laws are terrible. And then you have Jeff Sessions and John Kelly saying the exact opposite, saying that this is what they intended it to do. This was a policy change. And they are tr- Jeff Sessions, even last night when he went on Laura Ingram, was still talking about we want this to be a deterrent. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a little bit, right? No, the administration, they are kind of all over the place, but none of them are backing down. They're just kind of giving different different little stories. And again, Donald Trump, he says this every single time. Whose fault is it? It's the Democrats' fault, of course. And I say it's very strongly the Democrats' fault. They're obstructing. They're really obstructionist, and they are obstructing. Yeah, blame the Democrats. By the way, uh, just worth noting, Republicans have been in charge of Congress for the last two years, both the House and the Senate. Oh, right. Okay, so just just maybe just keep that in mind. Okay, so it's quite a gamble to blame the party out of power for something that you have clear control over. What does what doesn't he blame on the yeah, Democrats? True. Right, but I mean, again, for him, that's this is all playing politics, using these kids as hostages to get his bill, and it's worth noting. Uh, so. Let's say that they're right, that Congress alone can fix this little loophole. Again, that's not right. It's their policy. Donald Trump could end it with a phone call. Keep coming back to that. But let's say they're right. Would they sign that bill, just that one bill to fix that one loophole? Oh, no, no, no. The White House says we now we need the whole, to fix the whole system. We don't want a little Band-Aid. In other words... We will only sign a bill that contains everything, including $25 million for my wall. Again, that's what this is all about. This is using these kids as pawns to get the wall. It is immoral. It's disgusting. Uh, It's evil, I think, is the only word you can use for it. So uh, we talked about Donald Trump. Now here's Jeff Sessions. Yeah, you're right, Peter. He was out there out and about yesterday. First of all, he says, hey— Don't be surprised Donald Trump would do this. This is why the American people elected him. It is one of the reasons the American people elected President Donald Trump, and that was to end the lawlessness at our southern border. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah, well. By the way, I, 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 I hate to say this about America, but that's not wrong. No. That's what his base wants to hear, and that's, what that's by the way, why he's not going to back down. Yeah. Because he knows. It doesn't matter what, how cruel he is but with these, but with with people coming across the border or with these kids. His ba- That's what his base wants. Yeah, and, and it's also totally. kind of like it's one thing to say you're going to do these things. You're going to round up yeah. everybody and deport them. Like it's one thing to say that and talk tough, but to see it in action and to hear the kids screaming that have yeah. been ripped from their parents, that's a whole other thing. Oh, right. But, you know, we're a nation of laws, and we're also a nation of the Bible. And the law requires this, and Romans 13 tells us we got to obey the law. So that's it. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Uh, Jeff Sessions also saying, don't worry. These kids are they are the happiest kids on the planet. They're not put in jail, of course. Mm-hmm. They're taken care of. Mm-hmm. They remain in the country, uh, even though they don't have a lawful process to be here. Yeah. And are we doing this to, uh, Jeff Sessions, are we doing this to send a message? You're damn right we are, he said. We cannot and will not encourage people mm-hmm. to bring their children or other children uh, to the country unlawfully by giving them immunity. 
And as you pointed out, Peter, last night, so Jeff Sessions goes on Laura Ingram, and she says, you know, uh, some people are comparing this to the internment camps. Uh, First Lady Laura Bush did that. So does Susan Collins, Senator Susan Collins, uh, for the Japanese Americans during World War II. Some are even comparing it to a Nazi concentration camp. Jeff Sessions says, oh, no, don't you see the difference? Well, it's a real exaggeration. Of course, in Nazi Germany, they were keeping the Jews from leaving the country. Oh, whoa. Oh, God. God. I can't Uh, believe you said that. I can't either. No, it's just, it just strikes you, boy. They're so evil. Evil is the only thing that you can use to describe what's going on. That's evil. I don't know if he was trying to make a joke. But whatever point he was trying to make, I don't know. It missed. It reminds me of it Sean. Missed. It reminds me of Sean Spicer saying, "Well, at least Hitler, as bad as he was, never used any uh, chemical weapons." Chemical weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I forgot. Boy, I forgot. So about they were that. just keeping the people in the concentration camps in order, so they couldn't flee the country. That's yeah. Let right. me ask you a question. Because I saw somebody wrote a piece this morning, an opinion piece, saying that this is Trump's Katrina moment. This is the moment that 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 Donald Trump completely loses control. Um, is this something that his base really, really? Now that they're seeing it in practice, is this something that his base really, really wants? And is this going to be something he's going to be able to get away with, or is this going to explode completely in front of him? Uh I believe that he his base loves what he's doing. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many kids, doesn't matter what kind of condition. It's horrifying, base, isn't it? Evangelicals will never turn against him because all they care about is abortion. And as long as Donald Trump is anti abortion, they'll stick with Donald Trump, doesn't matter what he does. Franklin Graham says he disagrees with his policy. What's he doing about it? And by the way, what other evangelicals? You've had a lot of Catholic bishops, priests, cardinals, rabbis, imams, mullahs, whatever, from every other religion condemning this? Have you heard anything from the white evangelicals? No, and you won't. Because, Peter, that that's all they care about, and his base just cares about uh, Donald Trump, and they are, they're as racist uh, as he is. And by the way, I would I would have a different answer uh, if we had heard anything from Republicans in Congress. So you have a little squeal from uh, from Jeff Flake, maybe a little, a little criticism from Susan Collins. They wrote a letter. But what have they really done? And where are the Republican leaders in Congress on this? Why? What, what are they afraid of? You know, the, the governor of Republican governor of Massachusetts yesterday at least he showed a little spine. The Republican governor, Charlie Baker of Massachusetts, says, boy, I sent the National Guard down to the border. I'm bringing them back over this policy. I said two weeks ago that I did not support the decision of the Trump administration to separate kids from their families. And uh, I think it's cruel and inhumane. And uh, we told the National Guard uh, to hold steady and to not go down to the border, period. Yeah. But where, where, where's Paul Ryan? Where's Mitch McConnell? Where's John Cornyn? Where's Ted Cruz? Where's Kevin McCarthy? Where are the Republicans in Congress who would stand up and say, no, Mr. President, this is wrong. No, 
You can't blame us. This is your policy, and we don't support it. Those are the voices that could really make a difference here. Those are the voices that could turn this around. But here, here's one indication of how, of how gutless they are. So Dianne Feinstein has introduced a bill signed by every single Senate Democrat, including all those red state Democrats we're always worried about, Joe Manchin, Heidi Heitkamp, Joe Donnelly, all of them. Every Democrat has signed this bill, which would, in a single stroke, say you cannot ban this practice. You cannot separate the kids from their families. Every single Democrat, not one Republican has endorsed that legislation. Not Susan Collins, not Jeff Flake, not one, not Lindsey Graham, not one Republican. Uh, I'm not shocked, but that's really surprising to hear. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just want to mention this because last night our friend uh, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal was oh, yeah. on with uh, Chris Hayes, and she announced that there is going to be a nationwide mobilization against family separation on June 30th. There will be a march on Washington in cities around the country June 30th. Mm. You can get more information at familiesbelongtogether.org, familiesbelongtogether.org. Uh, she was on with Chris Hayes last night on MSNBC and talked about it. But again, June 30th is the date you want to put on your calendar, uh, which is it's a quick turnaround for a nationwide mobilization. But I think that nowadays yeah. it's totally possible. Oh, FamiliesBelongTogether.org. Check that out. March for Our Lives. You know, they yeah. put that maybe a little, not, not a lot more time than that. And uh, particularly with social media today. Yeah, June 30th. I'll be there. I'll yeah, be man. there right here in right here in Washington, D.C. So then, as we mentioned, this all led up yesterday to the briefing. I was going to go. It was scheduled for one o'clock. And then I got a notice. Well, the briefing's been delayed until three thirty. Nah, still a little late for me, but I thought I might still go. Then I got another notice. The briefing's been delayed until five o'clock because Kirsten Nielsen, the HHS sec- DHS secretary, was in New Orleans and uh, she had to, they were going to bring her in to defend this policy, and as I said, it was pretty, pretty scary. So after she tells all the lies that we uh, uh, outlined about why they have no choice, they have to enforce this, uh, only Congress can fix it, and the kids are happy as clams, um, Cecilia Varga from ABC News said, whoa, whoa, did you see these pictures? Did you hear that audio? Have you seen the photos of children in cages? Have you heard the audio clip of these children wailing that just came out today? I have I have not seen something that came out today, but I have been to detention centers. Uh, and again, I would reference you to our standards. I would reference you to the care provided, not just by the Department of Homeland Security, but by the Department of Health and Human Services when they get to HHS. But is that the image of this country that you want out there, children? The image that I want of this country is an immigration system that secures our borders and upholds our humanitarian ideals. A total technocrat. Total technical legal, numerical approach to this issue. Obviously, no heart, no empathy, no compassion, no knowledge of what's happening to these kids. These, by the way, these photos, the pictures, the, the congressmen and the media that were allowed in there were not allowed to take their own video and their own, and their own photos. So the photos that were released were released by the Department of Homeland Security, her agency, and she hadn't even seen them. And then she's insisting the kids are fine. Just like, by the way, they are insisting that those cages that you see, 
They're not cages, folks. What are you thinking? Uh Uh-uh. No, we're told they're not cages. It's just that they use chain-link fence to build the walls. Yeah. Okay? So come on. Stop calling them cages. And finally, uh, before we take a break here, Kirsten Nielsen. This was earlier yesterday in speaking to the sheriffs. This is her whole attitude about speaking to the sheriffs down in New Orleans. And she repeated this point at the press briefing yesterday. Are we going to back down? Hell no. We will not apologize for doing for our job. We have sworn to do this job. So we'll stick with this issue and get your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Uh, And other news of the day with a great lineup of guests. Daniel Lippman starts us off from uh, the playbook at uh, Politico, of course. Uh, Then followed by Tom LoBianco from AP, covers the White House for AP. And Eliza Collins from USA Today. Great lineup. Daniel Lippman joining us next. Quick break. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we go on this Tuesday, Tuesday, June 19. Uh, how about it? It's the Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Joining you all across this great land of ours online, on the radio, on television. And a big shout out to the uh, International Association of Firefighters, the firefighting departments, those men and women at your local fire department, members of the IAFF under President uh, Harold Schaefberger. On the front lines every day, protecting American families, we salute them, thank them for their support of the program, and direct you to their website. Find out more more about all the good work they're doing at IAFF.org. Welcome to the studio. Uh, if you haven't already uh, read it, you got to check it out on Politico, today's playbook. Uh, Daniel Lippman, the co-author uh, for of uh, Playbook. I always think of you as a kind of... Uh, head of playbook. But <laughs> well, I've been here the longest, so. All right, there you go. Four, pl- four years and counting. Is that right? With, uh, yeah, Mike Allen brought me on. Brought you uh, on. And talked about you... my origin story, and, and you know, it's, uh, but it's hard to quit playbook when the news is so crazy, <laughs> and you feel an obligation to your readers about uh, what's going on. And, yeah, and you do, seriously, do a great job. Check it out uh, every morning, and thank you so much for coming in. We want to catch up with some comments uh, from what we've been talking about so far on this issue of kids at the border. Peter? Yes, indeed. Just a couple of comments from Twitter where we are tweeting at BP Show, at BP Show. One of the things we mentioned at the break, by the way, Donald Trump has not tweeted this morning yet. So we're going to keep an eye on that and see. Which really surprises me because he said so much about it yesterday and then he had Jeff Sessions and then. Kirsten Watch, he's going to tweet in like 20 minutes. I know. I, I, I'm <laughs> sure that's going to happen. Right. Keep keep watching. And, yeah. okay. I always think it's funny when you know we hear internally uh, every few weeks when Republicans need Trump to walk back a position that he had made or a statement he's not going to sign a bill, and we hear a tweet is coming. And so basically the <laughs> process is uh, the Republicans Whoa. on Capitol Hill, they tell the White House, and the White House says, okay, Trump will tweet on it in the next few hours. Uh, reaffirming your position, and then we everyone's kind of waiting for that that tweet. For that tweet. So it's, it's tr- pretty amazing. Uh, you you never would have expected that when t- Twitter launches a social media platform. Well, no. we are tweeting all throughout the day. Uh, you can find us at BP Show. KG said this morning, this uh, they're almost all on uh, the immigration and child separation policy that's taking place at the southern border. KG says this is shock and awe on the American public. Most people are still in shock. 
uh, Game Over on Twitter, says every senator who confirmed every appointment made by Donald Trump should have their seat taken away from them, including Democrats. Get out and vote in the primaries first and again in November. No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, also, uh, on Twitter, uh, Matthew Naughton says this has been done before under different guises in this country, slavery, Native American reservations, and the Japanese internment. And also don't forget, we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash the bill press show. Uh, we played the clip of Jefferson Sessions on with Laura Ingram last night, talking about the Nazis, uh, built the concentration camps and the Jews were prevented from leaving. Uh, Josh says, I'm also going to point out these children can't leave the country either, even after their parents have left, which is true. Mm -hmm. We take the kids in and then we don't have any plan to what we should do with them afterwards. Should we actually let them go? Find us on Twitter at BP show or in YouTube, youtube.com slash the bill press show. All right, keep those comments uh, coming. You know, I was just thinking that, that, that what gets lost in this, I think, Daniel, is um, with all the talk about is this the right policy, the right policy, what should Congress do, and, you know, <laughs> boom, 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 is that, that these are kids. I mean, these are four-year-olds, five-year-olds. I mean, the trauma of being separated from their parents, even for a few hours, right? I mean, it, it, I, I, you don't have any kids no, yet, not yet, right? But... You know, if you have if you have kids and the first time you live with a babysitter, I mean, this, this it's a real traumatic experience when you walk out the door and they're stuck with somebody they don't know. Imagine the the trauma of being in a foreign country, surrounded by people who don't speak your <laughs> language, and your parents are gone, and you're just there with a bunch of strangers. and And how can they how can they believe that this is a just moral policy? Yeah, I kind of uh, am reminded in what what you were saying about. You know, when I was 10 years old, I, you know, went to a, uh, a sleepaway camp in uh, Montreal for a couple of weeks, but the camp did not pick me up at the airport for a couple of hours. And so I was stuck oh. at the airport, uh, you know, unaccompanied minor flying. And I was just like, where are these people and why aren't they? And you still remember that. I still remember that to this day, like, you know, 20 years ago, yeah. uh, you know, 20 years uh, later. And so, uh, you know, the head of the American Academy of Pediatricians, she visited uh, McAllen, uh, that facility. Uh, and, you know, they've done studies about what happens when uh, kids are separated from their parents. You know, they're more likely uh, to fall behind in school. Uh, she almost compared it to just being separated. It almost creates toxins in the air, whereby mm -hmm. it's a physical health uh, risk as well. And, you know, to hear that video from Publica of, you know, kids crying, you know, asking for mommy and daddy. Uh, and then the border guard uh, saying, well, you know, we have a, quite an orchestra here, uh, but there's no conductor. And you you know, it's a very callous comment. Uh, and so it doesn't seem like they've properly trained some of these uh, agents uh, in how they treat these people. It, you know, I should note that it's not like these people are getting no food and uh, they do have activities. Yeah, right. uh, and they're put in front of the TVs to almost basically shut them up or quiet, you know, make sure that they are mollified. I think every parent does that. That's one point, too. Right. Uh, you mentioned th this audio, which I don't think you can hear enough. And this, again, uh, the Secretary uh, Nielsen had not heard uh, yesterday, but the one you referenced re released by ProPublica yesterday. You don't have to speak the language to understand these kids. 
Yeah. You know, it goes on. You can hear one of them say, Papa, Papa, yeah. Papa. I mean, but but <laughs> these kids are not happy. And also just, uh, you know, in general, you're not supposed to, in any uh, country of a democracy, punish uh, the kids for, you know, the misdeeds of their parents. And so, and, you know, crossing the border, you know, that's against uh, against the law. But a lot of these people are, are trying to apply for asylum and you're not supposed to uh, jail for a long time, these people. And, uh, you know, uh, to look at how America has kind of fallen into where this is the new normal, uh, you know, people are su- very surprised at this. But if you just listen to Trump's rhetoric during the campaign trail, he was uh, his first day campaigning. He was talking about uh, rapists of you know oh, yeah. murders in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, and and by the way, just jumping in, that's Kirsten Nielsen used that very very same language yesterday, describing these people as criminals, rapists, murderers, MS13 members, and drug smugglers and terrorists. And but the what's ironic uh, is that. Uh, most of these people are fleeing all of that. And so the reason they are leaving Central America is not, uh, you know, of course they're looking for a better life, uh, and America has always offered that. Uh, but, the you know, they're trying to protect their uh, themselves from gang violence and MS-13. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the, you know, Jeff Sessions wants to make it so that you can't claim asylum based on those uh, conditions. Right. Basically, yeah. you'd, you, there's, you know, they're going to try to limit it as much as possible. Um, but that goes against what asylum means. And so, you know, it sounds so simplistic, but you're right. They say, for example, and, and Kirsten Nielsen said that yesterday, they are criminals. Jeff Sessions says they are criminals. The fact that they cross the border means they are criminals. I, I want to, I have a big secret to share. Sure. Okay. This morning on my way to work, yeah, I crossed, I jaywalked. <laughs> well, put, put, let's put you in a detention camp. Bill. I'm a criminal. <laughs> oh, say, yeah, yeah. Everyone I mean, breaks the law, but it, I, I technically, yeah, they broke the law. Okay, but to call them criminals, right, is a whole nother connotation. It's a, it's a it's, dehumanization. It is of, a thank uh-huh. you. That's the word. I would, you know, that's not to say that we shouldn't enforce our immigration laws. Of course and, not. No. Uh, but there's a way to do it where it's uh, you can have a secure border, but. Uh, be humane about that. So that Laura well, Bush, she lives in a border state, uh, and she she talked about this. I want to ask thing. you about the first ladies, because, but just on that point, sure. there is a way to do it. And George Bush and Barack Obama both enforce the laws without separating. Remember, the a compassionate conservative. You don't hear that talk anymore. No, well, there <laughs> are, yeah, there aren't any except for George and Laura Bush for sure. But the the role of the first ladies in this is very interesting. She has been the most outspoken and the the print version of her op-ed is finally in the post this morning by uh, the way they uh, rushed it into online <laughs> yeah they rushed it online right but it's been first lady laura bush and she's not alone yeah melania uh, has spoken out michelle uh, obama uh, every living uh, first lady and uh, and former first lady and uh, the current one as well you know she they've uh, talked about that hillary clinton of course uh but it's a just imagine if uh, you know we were talking before the show and just imagine if uh, Michelle Obama on one of the signature policies of uh, Obama if if she had said publicly oh I you know I oppose the Affordable Care Act uh, you know we have to be reasonable with our taxpayer dollars not the right policy uh, you know the Fox News would go crazy yeah. uh, <laughs> and so but how do you read Melania's uh, 
tweet. It wasn't exactly saying I disagree with my president. It was just saying we have to. Um, I hate to see this, yeah. and we have to govern from the heart. Yeah, I think. Uh, but she also said both parties have to come yeah, together, so, which sort of meant reminds me of the Charlottesville situation. Well, like, yeah, like on one yeah. hand, it contradicts her husband, but on the other hand, her husband contradicts her husband. Yeah. <laughs> like it's his policy, and he says it's horrible. I, so, like, it's not like she. Yeah, that's a great point. I, but it his his policy. It's not the lo- law per se. And you saw, you know, we put in a tweet uh, from Peter Baker of the New York Times, who you know. Yes. Uh, and it was a pr- great tweet that said, uh, Kirsten Nielsen says, it's not a policy. And she says it's a law. But Stephen Miller says in interviews, it is a policy. You know, this policy is a, a deterrent effect. Jeff Sessions says it's a policy. Yeah. So they, they are not getting their story straight. I think they probably have to get on the same page. But Nielsen is trying to play it both ways where uh, she is internally seen as opposed to this. We should not remember, you right. know, she she threatened to resign a few weeks ago uh, when they first had this policy, but mm-hmm. she stuck with it. I think she probably thinks that if she resigns, then someone more extreme will be, they'll put in Dave Clark from, you know, the the uh, sheriff from Wisconsin as head of the DHS, and uh, that would not be good for uh, the country in her eyes. Uh, and so that's, she faces a really tough situation. I just... I'm looking forward to reading a, a book that she writes eventually about, you know, probably uh, throwing uh, Trump under the bus and saying I was, you know, I needed to stay, but I was really uncomfortable. Well, it looked to me yesterday like she was doing everything she could to keep her job and, and yeah. saying everything Donald Trump wanted her to say. I, I I believe it was a public relations disaster, but I'll bet when she got back in the left the briefing room and went upstairs that Donald Trump was waiting for her with a big high five. Yeah, I would not be surprised he want, he watches those briefings closely. Uh, what's interesting is John Kelly, he urged her not to do the briefing. I, I was going to ask you about that. Which yes, is pretty right. amazing. That is, because she was his deputy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, re, well, she replaced him, I guess, at yeah. HHS. But they're very, very close. And apparently... He urged her not to do it. Why? Because he thought it would be a disaster? or uh, He just didn't think that it was a wise thing for her to be seen as a public face, but I think she's under pressure. I bet Stephen Miller said, you know, come back here. Uh, <laughs> and also uh, Sarah Sanders did not want to uh, talk about this yesterday in depth. Uh, you know, what's interesting is, you know, if you look at uh, – we had a great Politico uh, anecdote from – uh, playbook this morning, and if you read, it's from a story from Annie Carney and Eli- Eliana Johnson. I'll just read you the quote. It's yeah. about how John Kelly has uh, become, you know, distant from the White House. It says, while Kelly himself once believed he stood between Trump and chaos, he has told at least one person close to him that he may as well let the president do what he wants, even if it leads to impeachment. At least this chapter of American history would come to a close. And you point out in that same story, which I read earlier this morning, uh, where John Kelly is often spotted in the middle of the day. Yeah, just, uh, you know, exercising. In the gym. Yeah, at the White House uh, Uh, gym. In the uh, uh, old executive office building because he just knows there's nothing he can do about it. And, uh, yeah, Secret Service agents are, you know, waiting outside, uh, you know, waiting for him to come back. All right, so we hear and we see... All this, uh, uh, this 
Nielsen yesterday saying this is not controversial, which I thought was the understatement of the day. (laughs) But uh, a lot of silence on the part of Hill Republicans, for the most part, congressional Republicans. Is that likely to change? Are we going to see anybody like a John Cornyn stand up and a Mitch McConnell and say, no, we cannot support this? Yeah, there's. It's no surprise that Republicans on the Hill uh, have a lot of trouble when they disagree with the policy vociferously, but they can't speak up as much. And I would take issue a little bit with what you said that I think there has been a number of Republicans who have said this is wrong, and that you know Cornyn himself is working on a bill. Ted Cruz is uh, working on a bill uh, to reverse this policy. So it's not like they are doing nothing, but they aren't grandstanding and they aren't going down to Texas to see the situation for themselves. Uh, but not there's... one of them has supported the bill that would ban this practice. Not one Republican in but, the Senate. But they also don't uh, seem to... There aren't that many people who are full-throated supporters of Trump's uh, policy on this. So, you know, I think uh, it would be ideal if there's a bipartisan solution quickly on this uh, in the eyes of uh, many Democrats and Republicans. But uh, I think the the biggest, the most important thing that politicians can care about is just getting this off their plate and stopping this practice, however it happens. Uh, and getting reelected. Yeah, that's that too. But so, I think that it uh, Democrats are gaining every day. I think that this policy is in the news. Democrats, you know, they are against this policy, but so they do you are, think there's a Mark Sanford problem among the Republicans? Meaning they're afraid that yeah. what would happen to them happened to Mark Sanford could happen to them. Yeah, I think there's tremendous fear that uh, if they cross the president too much, that he uh, would try to defeat them or uh, tweet about them. You know, a single tweet from uh, the president against a Republican, and there aren't that many anymore. But that just leads to a uh, a lot of problems for you know any Republican who wants to keep his job, and uh, then donors get scared, and it just uh, it seems like there's a cowardice uh, among, you know, even when Obama was in charge, you know, Democrats, of course, they wouldn't investigate him as much, but, uh, or speak out, but it was also a less controversial time. And you just saw a little more principle. Uh, and even when George W. Bush was president, people, Republicans, I can remember, they, they were talking about, or the principled ones were talking about how Bush was spending way too much and uh, it was going to lead to fiscal disaster. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it seems like the backbone of those Republicans have has le- lessened every year. Uh, I think that's a good way of putting it. So uh, all in all, when, uh, do you think that uh, Donald Trump will back down? I really don't have a crystal ball on this, but I mean, what's he, your gut tell I, you? My gut says that uh, if there is not a legislative solution in the next week or so, then he might say, "Well, enough is enough. Like I, you know, I need to reverse myself on this. I've made my point." But he's never going. He never will say he's retreating. He just says, "Well, the, uh, the idea, we've made our point. We've, we, you know, we've yeah. we've done our work. Where you know, it's a deterrent." The idea that he would say, "I was wrong," or "I'm sorry," or "I'm sorry," never, uh, no, no chance. The hell of a <laughs> ever. Or we made a mistake. No, those words do not. They, but they might. They might. And any other administration would look for some face-saving. Yeah, I guarantee you they're looking at that right now. Vice, you know, way, way out. But right? it's very hard when Stephen Miller is in charge of basically the domestic policy council, and John Kelly is pretty weak. That doesn't leave 
guess that leaves Jared and Ivanka to try to persuade <laughs> Trump. But well, wait a minute. They're making. They're so busy making so much money. They don't have time for public policy, right? Well, I, I bet I eighty-two million dollars in nice. twenty seventeen. Big sac- outside outside income. A big sacrifice to come to Washington. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I'm glad we drained the swamp. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Mr. Trump. You know, that is actually, uh, 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 the, all the horrible money stuff aside, that is actually a really good point. Uh, Ivanka, who was outspoken early on, saying she was going to try and be sort of a moral compass here and said she was going to speak up for LGBT rights and a lot of different issues. I, 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 we've never seen anything quite so heartless ever. Uh, and she's she hasn't had anything to say about it. And she's the mom in the White House, or one of the moms in the White yeah. House, close to Trump. You would think she might. Right. Uh, I want to ask you about something we haven't talked about yet today, which the president announced yesterday as well, um, that, I mean, all of a sudden, we're going to have a sixth branch of the uh, armed forces, uh, President Trump saying, here we go, we're going to have now a space force. Yes. We are going to have the Air Force, and we are going to have the Space Force. Separate but equal. There you go. A whole new branch. And he told the Pentagon, you know, build a wing of the Pentagon here for the Space Force. <laughs> and my uh, my friend uh, in the U.S. military, he texted me, said, uh, with this news, then uh, maybe we can all become space cadets. <laughs> <laughs> if there is a, if there ever is a U.S. Space Force Academy, the academy the students will be space cadets. Oh, geez, yeah, sure, of course they would. I think that's probably but, the least controversial thing that Trump has done in the last couple of months: set up this uh, space force. Because the space, you know, in all seriousness, uh, China is playing a big role in uh, trying to militarize space, and so and there's a lot of vital U.S. interests that. Uh, you know, among satellites and uh, making sure that the U.S. military is prepared uh, in terms of uh, having, you know, high-quality GPS. So it's no but, laughing matter in some well, ways. Well, right, right. Definitely we have, uh, we do have a presence in space. We have to continue. Yeah. We have to, I mean, our satellites are vulnerable uh, to being blown up and it could turn this country upside down if that happened. But at the same time, this, I mean, it seems to me this is the militarization of space yeah. is what we're really and there, talking that, about. And there are a lot of dangers to that. I'm also reminded of Jeff Bezos, uh, you know, who has uh, his own rocket in the space company. And uh, he said a couple of years ago during the campaign that uh, he was happy to give a seat to Donald Trump uh, if he wanted to uh, get sent to space. And so I think Trump the, did not like the, that. Uh, the, <laughs> the sooner the better. But what's interesting about this is, so presence in space, yes. But a whole, I think the question is, a whole new separate force. James Mattis, the defense secretary, is on record as saying, we don't need another branch of the armed services with another big bureaucracy. Because... Every one of these, they got the secretary, the yeah. undersecretaries, they got the buildings, they got the, you know, on and on and on. I mean, just the cost of setting up a separate new branch of the military would be astronomical. Uh, so make it part of the Air Force or That's, Air and Space Force, maybe yeah. they call it. My, my uh, great uncle was Secretary of the Air Force under uh, Eisenhower, uh, right, right when Eisenhower made that famous uh, speech at the end of his presidency talking about the military industrial complex. Uh, and so I guess uh, so your great uncle was part of that. Yeah, he was part of that. And, uh, you know, 
So one of my on my to do list today is to ask the Eisenhower Museum uh, or the library to for any records of him because you know there was a uh, uh, you know we I went to a breakfast the other week with uh, a person who wrote a new biography of Eisenhower uh, affiliated with the Miller Center at UVA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're uh, cond- they're building the uh, Eisenhower Memorial now, right? Uh, right down on uh, Independence too, as yeah. well. All right. Uh, so what's a big news story today, real quickly? What, what, what's on? I think, uh, you know, More. how Republicans respond to this, uh, you know, no one's talking about dreamers, That's which is interesting. You know, dreamers seem to be having just fine lives right now. Uh, by the way, that's a, that's, that's a, there are a lot of parallels of what happened to the dreamers. Daniel Lippmann is the co-author of Playbook, Playbook on Politico.com. Go there, sign up, and then we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This Thanks, Daniel. Is Thank the you. Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We have no choice but to rip these kids from their families, says Donald Trump and Kirsten Nielsen and Jeff Sessions, and they are all lying. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Here we go on a big Tuesday, Tuesday, June 19. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us here on The Bill Press Show Wherever you are in this great land of ours, we welcome you online, on the radio, and on television, and encourage you to send your comments on the news of the day by joining us on Twitter, at uh, BP Show. Yes, and the one big story dominating is increasing outrage over controversy, controversy over uh, the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy now put into practice, and we see the results in a tent camp, a detention center, a migrant camp, migrant camp, whatever you want to call it, where kids ripped from their families, some 2,300 of them just in the last couple of months, joining another 12,000 who are already uh, in custody of the United States uh, and uh, held in those centers away from their parents, a very ugly situation, kept in cages, sleeping on mattresses on the floor, uh, inhumane treatment, uh, inhumane policy, cruel, immoral, and more and more Americans are saying this has to stop. Of course, Donald Trump says, ah, you give me my wall and maybe I'll stop it. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, and we will uh, jump right into it. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Smoke them if you got them. Well, maybe not. There are some new numbers out about the percentage of United States adults who were smokers. Matter of fact, last year, 
only about 14% of U.S. adults were smokers. That is down from about 16% the year before. Now, that's a pretty small 2%. That's a pretty small jump. But as all people have pointed out, uh, it's going in the right direction. It's definitely going in the right direction. I, I will say, like, I'm nowadays, it's pretty striking when you see someone smoking in public. I don't see many smokers anymore. No. Uh, 14%? 14%. Now, all, that being said, that means that there are still about 30 million adult smokers in the United States. So it's not like the problem has completely gone away, but it's it's going the right way. Yeah. Hmm. By comparison, by the way, when they uh, when you look at the numbers back in the 1960s when they started keeping yeah. numbers on this, 42% of Americans smoked. 42% of Americans smoked, and so we're down now to 14%. Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to know where they live. I would too. I mean, I will say I was. I bet just, half of them live in Alabama. I bet it's the South. You know, I will say when I was in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania over the weekend. Lots of smokers out. Really? Lots of smokers. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that means. Part of like beginning of the Midwest stuff. I don't know, but I, it's out there. It's out there. I don't know anybody today. Any friend of mine who smoked? No, I can't say that I know. Uh, no, I can't say I know many. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Well, by the way, from one vice to another, uh, from cigarettes to alcohol, Ryanair, uh, they proposed a new rule limiting passengers to a two-drink limit uh, inside the airport. Inside the airport. Now, you know, you can go to the airport, you can get as early as you want and start drinking and get on an airplane. If you're too drunk, a lot of times yeah, the airlines yeah. won't let you on. But Ryanair said that they were the ones that recently had uh, a plane that had to land unexpectedly because of rowdy behavior from a couple of passengers. And they're now asking, can we just ban alcohol from airports? Two drinks. Two drinks. That's all you get. What, what about on the plane? Uh, you can still drink on the plane, but they're saying the, the, the problem is that people are showing up to the airports early, getting really liquored up, yeah. and then getting on the plane and continuing the party. Not that I would know anything about that. I'm never going to fly Ryanair again. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the fun police. Yeah. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Yeah, it's kind of like it's not coming through. And what do you say, folks, on a Tuesday, Tuesday, June 19? It is the Bill Press Show. One word for it. Shame. Shame on the Trump administration. Shame on Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions, and all the rest for the zero-tolerance policy, ripping kids away from their parents. And shame on us if we allow it to continue. And particular shame on the Republicans in Congress, cowardly Republicans in Congress, who know they don't like this policy. They know it's wrong. They know it's un-American. They know it's immoral. But they don't care because it's Donald Trump's policy and they're afraid of crossing Donald Trump. How disgusting. Great to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live, as always, from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and our studio right here on Capitol Hill. Um, thanks for being with us online on YouTube, on youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Thanks for joining us on Free Speech TV, and thanks for joining us out in the greater Chicago area 
on WCPT. Lots of fireworks at the White House yesterday, covering the White House for AP. Our good friend Tom Lobianco is also working on a book about uh, Mike Pence. We can't wait for. Hello, Tom. It's good to see you. <laughs> hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. So uh, just a quick update. I actually covered the White House for the AP. Oh, okay. I left just a few weeks ago oh, just to focus on the book. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh. So uh, uh, I'm uh, focused exclusively on the Mike Pence book. Uh, it's crunch time right now. I know what that's like. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> uh, I just, I just crunched. I just crunched on a book called "From the Left: A Life in the Crossfire." Uh, I know I've talked about it a lot, um, but uh, if first time in a little bit, because if you haven't seen it and uh, don't know what it's all about, check out our website at BillPressShow.com. I mentioned that because I did, um, I did an interview with C-SPAN on their Afterwards program with Mona Charon interviewing me about the book. Mm. We taped it in like mid-March, even before the book came out, and they just ran it last weekend <laughs> uh, th- three times. It's a one-hour interview last weekend. Uh, and uh, so there was some more news about the book. And then next weekend, uh, I did a podcast yesterday with Mark Preston oh. on the POTUS channel. Yeah, Mark Preston is the political director of, uh, of CNN, and we did an hour interview yesterday, right which is going to air... Next weekend, we'll give you the times and everything. We'll put it out on our website when you uh, when you can catch it. So anyhow, I know what I know what crunch time is like. So good for you. Well, this production What's schedule. What's your pub date, as they say? Well, uh, um, early next year, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, these things are uh, well, it takes f- somewhat fungible, depending on uh, uh, you know how Trump is tweeting at any yeah. given moment. Uh, <laughs> By the way, on that on that point, um, thanks for the update, but uh, and good luck with the book. Surprised, surprises the hell out of me that Donald Trump has not tweeted yet this morning. Oh, and it's yeah, I mean, it's executive time. It is executive time, <laughs> and he's got to be watching Fox News, Fox and Friends. Yeah. I mean, he's got to. Plus, after all of this stuff yesterday on um, on the kids at the border and this no zero zero tolerance policy. And Kirsten Nielsen's briefing, uh, and he's meeting with Republicans in Congress today, and he's been blaming Democrats for this whole mess, uh, which everybody points out is baloney, um, that he's not tweeting. I just figured he'd be really... Or... It's been 20 hours since his last tweet. Wow. That is... Wow. Which... This is a world record. I I think I know the reason why. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Melania took took his cell phone. Or... He is engulfed in chapter one of Bill Press <laughs> from the left. <laughs> Might learn something in there. Yeah. He's no, still he's still I trying think. to figure out where Delaware is. No, no. Uh, <laughs> or maybe he's reading Romans thirteen. Oh, <laughs> oh, precious. Oh, 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 um, this is this whole flap. Tom has been called. Uh, Donald Trump's Katrina. Yeah. Think so? I, I think what's fascinating about this is that it has legs. Uh, you know, the the one thing that, you know, you talk with other reporters, you talk with uh, veteran politicos around town, people who have survived many administrations, um, there's a constant feeling that it's <clears throat> it's one outrage, <sighs> one scandal, you know, it's by the minute. You know, it's not a flavor of the day, it's a flavor of the minute. And um, what's fascinating about this, or I guess what's you know unique about this in this administration, 
is that it's continuous. Uh, I mean, this has now overrun uh, the uh, North Korea summit. Uh, I mean, something on its own. Any any one of these I mean, things the way, on their own. That was just last week. That's right. It's remarkable. It feels like a year ago. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. I was uh, flipping through the Times, and uh, what struck me is that it's relatable. If you're just the average person, you know, you hear about taxes or you hear about health care uh, premiums going up. I mean, these are numbers. They're somewhat amorphous. Um, you, you know, in a, in a, in a pocketbook sense uh, at all times. But when you see p- these pictures of uh, these two-year-old girls, you know, screaming for their mom, and it's, I think that's the type of thing that, that differentiates this from other uh, from other events in this uh, administration, it really has legs under it. How long? How old is your little girl? She's almost two. Almost two, right? Yeah. So, how can people in the White House who have little kids, like you do, like I have little grandkids, yeah, support a policy like this and think that that this is okay for these kids? Like you, Kirsten Nielsen yeah. yesterday, standing up there. And insisting that these kids are happy, they're well, they're being well taken care of. Jeff Sessions yesterday he made that uh, assertion about, oh, these kids don't don't feel sorry for these kids, says Jeff Sessions. They're not put in jail, of course. They're oh. taken care of. They yeah. remain in the country, uh, even though they don't have a lawful process to be here. And it, it, we can't hear it too often, um, but. But here we go again. This is this is a bit audio released yesterday by mm. ProPublica about just just listen and you'll see how happy these kids are. Yeah, there they are. Uh, huddled together in these cages, which are really not cages, even though they are cages, we're told by Fox and Friends. They're not cages. They just use chain-link fence to build the walls. I mean, you just wonder, what, where are these people coming from? There's no way this is not harmful in many ways for these kids. Yeah, it's... I, I, it's I try to, you know, I try to divorce. As a reporter, we always try to take a step back. You know, not, it's yeah. really hard with this one. I mean, you absolutely, know, we've, we've got families, and it's just, um, I, it's hard. You know what? I think it's important as reporters not to take a step back in this case because you you you, you sort of lose your soul if you if you do. You've got to. And by the way, and I'm I've been proud of the media in the sense that. Uh, like the Washington Post this morning has uh, the word falsely up in the mm-hmm. headlines. says Trump falsely oh. accuses yeah. Democrats of being behind this. I mean, so people are calling them out on this. This, I, I think, yeah. is also a, a good you reminder know? of what <clears throat> journalism really is. There was a moment yesterday on Fox and Friends where they read the tweet from Kirsten Nielsen. Yesterday, we were still at a point where she had tweeted, mm-hmm. you know, no one is being detained mm-hmm. uh, at the border. And Fox and Friends read it and just said, oh, well, there you go. That's there, There's proof that this is not happening. <laughs> and somebody pointed out, that's not journalism. <laughs> just reading a tweet from somebody 
It's not journalism. And Brian Kilmeade, one of the one of the hosts, tweeted out, so reading tweets from Homeland Security Secretary is propaganda? Yeah, it is. Yep. Reading unchecked, untrue tweets from a government official is, in fact, propaganda. Right. Yeah. If you say, if Donald Trump says, Democrats are responsible for this, and then you report that point blank, right, mm-hmm. without pointing out that that's not true, you're not doing your job as a journalist. Yeah. I was uh, reading the uh, this uh, write-up on uh, Seymour Horsch's uh, new memoir. Yeah. And um, I think it's the uh, the Post Book Review over the weekend. And um, I forget who they quoted exactly, but it's the uh, the, the British lord who uh, who said uh, every everything everything they want published is propaganda, and everything else is news. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm reading that book right now. Oh, uh, Cy Hirsch's it's good. book. It must it's be called good. Reporter. It's excellent, excellent. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing him in a couple of weeks, uh, and uh, the one that on this point. Or the one line that I, I I hadn't heard before, which I love, is when some uh, one of Hirsch's mentors, when he first got started, I think with the AP in Chicago, mm-hmm. said, "If your mother says she loves you, right. check it out." <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, look, Reagan. in other words, don't take anything yeah. and just report it. Well, it's check Reagan. it out, Reagan. Trust but verify. Right. I mean, this is. I mean, this isn't. Ju- it isn't just journalism. It's a good good rule of thumb wherever you are. Um, I mean, speaking of North Korea, I, I, I mean, you know, we shouldn't just take things in general. I was uh, uh, chatting with an architect over the weekend who was asking about, you know, we were talking about applying journalism in real life. And a lot of times people think of it in terms of writing, uh, you know, being uh, uh, sticklers for grammar and whatnot. But I often think about it in terms of reporting as well, because how do we know what we know? I mean, these are sort of existential questions, but it's also good for good information, good intelligence, good vetting what we're vetting our understanding, constantly checking ourselves. Um, These are all things I think are crucial for anyone. Right. Uh, Those are lessons that we've learned and apply, hopefully, in our personal life as well as our professional life. Um, North North Korea, you're right. It does seem like a year ago. It's not. It's a week ago. But what do we know about so Singapore was a great photo op, mm-hmm. but nothing of substance happened. What do we know about any plans for follow-up, for continuing talks, for putting some meat on the bones, if you will, for actually <laughs> getting some real commitments about denuclearization, whatever that means? Um, any? I haven't heard a word. No, it's as of now, there doesn't seem to be anything definitive, at least not that we've heard. Um, uh, they got the photo op. Um, and, you know, look, that's I, I don't want to diminish that because that's no, a, that's a well, bit that's a big thing going out there. Now, you know, some of the language that's come out after that, ignoring um, abuses from that um, uh, from from North Korea, from Kim Jong Un and Kim Jong Il, uh, that's, you know. That's another debate, um, but in terms of a- anything verifiable, definitive, active, uh, you know, I think what you've heard from a lot of folks who track the um, the Iran nuclear deal is that this this doesn't even this doesn't even come close to that in terms of having checks in place, having ways well, no, no, of verifying no. There, anything. No, 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 no. There's no. nothing. There, there, there are no agreements about um, getting rid of existing nuclear weapons, 
not testing the existing nuclear weapons, not nothing about not building any more nuclear weapons. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh no, the Iran nuclear deal. They they had they they had to get rid of their centrifuges, and they did. They had to mm-hmm. stop making fissionable materials, and they did. North Korea has none of those. Right. Didn't agree to anything. Nothing. Nothing. So, um, and it, it, unless there is some follow up, it was nothing but a giant photo op, which may be followed up by a giant White House photo op visit. You know, it's fascinating. We look at this administration. I've heard think... about that, but Donald Trump said he's yeah. going to invite him, and Kim Jong Un, you know, will be there. Yeah. I mean, it has to be frustrating for some of the uh, some of the professionals around town who you know work in and around this administration, who you have something like that, and you could you could spin it as a Nixon in in China type of moment, you know, of of, of grand diplomacy. You could put that out there if you were thinking strategically. Um, but again, as long again, as long I have to come <laughs> back to that. As long as something there's something substantive that, that there's follows. A lot of caveats. That follows. <laughs> a lot of caveats. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, if if that does follow, I'd be the first one to give him credit for succeeding where no other president has. But so far, all he's done is yeah. have a meeting. And I think it was Jake Tapper who said on CNN. It, it, he's the first president to meet with the head of North Korea, okay? Um, the others could have done it. They didn't want to. They mm-hmm. didn't. They didn't do it not because oh, they right. couldn't. They didn't do it because they didn't want to because <laughs> That's right. they, they, they knew they couldn't trust them. Right? right. And by the way, on that point, we say, can you trust North Korea to keep a deal? Can you trust the United States to keep a deal? After Paris, after the Iran nuclear deal, after NAFTA, after TPP, right? That's a good. That's a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. I think the other question today is: Are we the ones now, given what we're doing down at the border with these kids, are we the ones to talk to North Korea about human rights? Now, I'm not saying this is as bad as their no, gulags or their slave labor camps, but but yeah. it certainly is a black mark on our soul, right? This is it. It, it does these have a are feeling of children, betrayal. children. Yeah. It Not. does have the fe- feeling of Katrina in terms of total engulfment. Remember, that was you know that was all we talked about for months. It was a, it was it really absorbed the nation. Yeah. For yeah. for a long period of time, and it does, and it was in the, the thick of summer, what thirteen years ago now, and um, and here we are now. In this, well, was it really? Yeah. Yeah. And it also Holy kicked cow, man. it kicked the props out yeah. from under the, um, uh, the the Bush administration. I mean, it 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 mm-hmm. it in, it, in affected or infected everything that they did, the Katrina. That's that, that's the point I was about to make. That was the moment where the yeah. Bush the Bush White House was fairly in control. I mean, yeah. there were some issues yeah. and there were some scandals. There were a lot right. of things that we didn't like. They were fairly in control up until that moment when everybody saw they are not prepared to run the United States of America on any level. They're just not prepared. And when we all saw that and we watched it, we go, oh, crap. Mm. Mm -hmm. These guys are in charge of everything. I kind of feel like this is a similar situation here. They are either horribly unprepared or they are lying or both. I think it's probably both. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not good. No. Yeah. 
But I do want to point out, in retrospect, seeing as how we were 13 years removed from Katrina, this the the, the the coming from looking at it from a, from the left, the people who you know who come at it from the left, who now hold up the Bush family in, in regards of Trump is is just I mean fascinating to me. I mean this is well you know the language the the rhetoric that was used back then ended up becoming so extreme that it's like well there is no extreme language left for somebody like Trump when Trump comes along because you've already matched it to to Bush to be Look. to be fair to be fair there are a lot of liberals that say like oh i miss george bush and all that uh i think he's still a war criminal and i think he okay. should be in jail <laughs> so by comparison do i miss george bush maybe a little bit but that ain't saying much okay no <laughs> but and I'll say this, and I opposed every policy of George Bush, other than his uh, comprehensive immigration reform, which I thought was a good bill, and Barack Obama did too because he introduced the same bill. Other than that, um, I opposed everything that George Bush said or did. But I'll tell you one thing, I'd take him in a heartbeat over Donald Trump, hmm. if that were the choice. Yeah. I, I think as Americans we have better choices, but uh, that's it. Now, I want to ask you about your new project here, mm -hmm. Mike Pence. Um, he stood right there alongside of Donald Trump yesterday when Donald Trump said, we are not mm -hmm. uh, a migrant camp. You know, we're not going to create a migrant camp or whatever. And Pence just stood there in solidarity with Donald Trump. He has not broken with Donald Trump on anything, not even mm -hmm. back in the campaign on the Access Hollywood tape. Right. You know, right. his wife seemed, but, but Donald Trump, I mean, Mike Pence, I think, told Karen, hey, shut up, we're in this for, you know, for good, right, for keeps. <laughs> um, so yeah. um, is is this is this helping Mike Pence? Um, and does there's he... a, I mean, look, there's a calculation there that they made, and once you've made it, uh, you stick with it. I mean, Pence is incredible at playing the long game. Um, as as most good politicians are, and you covered him. Let's remind our listeners and viewers: you covered him in Indiana, right? Yeah. So you know the known the guy for a long time. So yeah. So his long game is what to become president. Yes. After Donald Trump. Yes. Right. Any any way anyhow meaning, well, impeachment. Yeah. He becomes president. Donald yeah. Trump gets defeated. Then he's the nominee the next time around. Right? Is that? Yeah. If you if you look at um, this presidency, and I you know I think that what's fascinating about Pence is that it's not always he himself who is the interesting character, but it's the, cir the circumstances in which he finds himself. You know, he's pretty fairly boring as politicians go um, in person, but here he is in, in this, you know, this psycho circus that is the, you know, the, the, the administration and the campaign and this, the continuing campaign, the, the 2016 election that never ended. And, um, and Never have there been more options for him for a vice president to become president. Um, impeachment looms as a possibility, depending upon how the midterms turn out. Um, you know, I think that it's probably safe to say that Ronnie Jackson's uh, physical assessment of the president um, probably wasn't very sound. Uh, so, you know, that's another concern there. Um, you know, it's uh, maybe he maybe he decides not to run again. I hear that from. Uh, Republicans, no uh, way. Periodically, no way. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm no a little way. dismissive no way. of that myself. He's actually. already running. He's yeah. already running. Oh yeah, yeah. Because by the way, he's not stopped campaigning. Right. Like, he can't go. Literally, 
Like, literally, he's doing no. events that are paid for by the Trump for President campaign 2020. Yeah. No. Which right. is amazing. He can't govern worth a damn, <laughs> but he can campaign. you right. got to give him credit for that. And that's all he does. Right. That's what it is. That's what uh, that this whole thing with the kids is part of his campaign, right? It's the same rhetoric right. he used when he, when he launched his campaign, right? Yeah. So, so, so um, what you're saying, yeah, there are a lot of ways, different ways <laughs> that, that Pence could be impressive. Right. But does Pence... For example, also, his fingerprints are not, he's pretty careful about that, mm -hmm. right? Like with this immigration thing, we've been talking all morning. Who's responsible? Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions, Stephen Miller, mm -hmm. John Kelly, mm -hmm. Kirsten Nielsen. We haven't mentioned Mike Pence. That's right. No. Yeah, I guess we haven't. No. His name hasn't come up at all. So he's got a way of being there but not being there. <laughs> That's right. Guys like wallpaper. Yeah. I think it was a... Uh, back at the beginning of the year, I think it was in South Korea uh, at the Olympics, Ashley Parker at the Washington Post asked him a question, um, uh, said, you know, Mr. Vice President, you know, very often, you know, you're an integral part of this administration. People tell us that you are a key member of the administration, that you're very close with the president. Yet very often it seems that you are out of the loop. And why is that? And 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 he just he paused and it's you know for him the the man they call on message mike that's what they call him around there it was it was interesting because a pause of a second means that you knocked him off of whatever talking point he was going to use right and right. that's and that goes right to the core of it because and this is kind of the the dynamic the dichotomy the you know the whatever um, for him in there which is that can one can you survive an administration like this, you know, what does it do to your brand politically? Um, what does it do to your your, your career? Um, two, um, you know, what's the balance between needing to be a leader, needing to exert yourself in some way, um, versus uh, while working under somebody who is ready to chop your head off at a, at a moment's notice? Remember that Pence, Pence is unique among senior Trump advisors in the sense that he is constitutionally mandated there, all right? But that has a limit, and that limit is 2020. So they are constantly aware that they could be removed in the convention. You know, if he goes too far afield, if he, you know, if it looks well, Trump like could, he's... Trump could drop him as his running mate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You could... So, you know, he's not going to be fired like, like Steve Bannon or somebody tomorrow, but... Can't be exactly, but there, but there's there's a window for it, and they could. That's right. that's conceivable. So it's a it's a hell of a tightrope back for him, and I think what he's doing by basically agreeing. Well, and the other thing to remember too is that a vice president is by default supposed to supposed to agree with everything the president does. Now I wonder, you know, where's the break? Right? Is the break where you have two year olds, uh, you know, crying? you know, looking furtively for their parents, just, you know, not finding them. It's, you know, I don't know. I mean, where, where, I think the, maybe the answer is that there is no break for him. They're Charlottesville, um, you know, handling uh, this North Korea summit, uh, all these different things over the years, uh, over the last year and a half, nothing. There's, no. there's been no break. No. It would be stunning if we talked earlier, if, um, 
uh, any leading Republican would stand up today and really say, "I'm going to basically, I'm I, I'm breaking with Donald Trump. I just cannot not support this." But Mike Pence will never do that. And when, yeah, and you never, saw what happened. Never. Mark Sanford. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. the latest example of what happens when you do break. Yeah, and his differences with Trump were not right over major policy issues. I He's mean, a Freedom was, Caucus member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was more over his personal personal lifestyle. Right. And, of course, who's Mark Sanford to be criticizing Donald Trump over his personal lifestyle? But uh, they all they all deserve each other. Uh, Tom LoBianco with us. You're staying around, right? Sure. Yeah. Totally. Uh, staying with us here is a friend of Bill. Eliza Collins joins us next from uh, USA Today. And we'll find out what we might expect when Donald Trump uh, meets with Republicans today to try to iron out this immigration mess in Congress. Uh, it is the Bill Press Show on a Tuesday Stay with us. We'll be quick break. We'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. And uh, we continue here wrapping up on a Tuesday, June 19, the Bill Press Show. Great to have you with us as we uh, join you from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. We were brought to you today by the Laborers International Union of North America. Under Terry O'Sullivan, um, labor members, men and women of the Laborers Union, Building a Better America, that's their website, Liuna, L-I-U-N-A, buildsamerica.org. Here in studio, Tom LoBianco, working on a new book uh, about Mike Pence. It uh, takes time out uh, from the word processor to join us in studio <laughs> as a friend of Bill. Uh, and uh, as an author, I can tell you, you can take a little couple of hours out and <laughs> you can easily get behind. So uh, we do, doubly appreciate it. And we're joined now by our good friend who covers Congress for USA Today, Eliza Collins. Eliza, nice to see you. Good to be here. And we're into full summer in Washington now, huh? Yeah, it's Man. pretty disgusting out. It is. <laughs> it's humid. I know. I even this to. early in the morning, it was really humid coming yeah. in here. Yeah, a little swampy. Yeah, yeah it, it is swampy. Right in the swamp. Oh, yeah, I'll <laughs> uh, yeah, drain the swamp, starting with Scott Pruitt, but uh, the swampiest of all, he man. He seems to be sticking around. This uh, other headlines have eclipsed him. It's amazing when we had the outrage to get angry about that before things got way worse. With this immigration separating children from their families. Story. I have had Republican strategists kind of just say to me pretty frankly that they think he's stuck around because this news cycle is moved so fast he just gets lucky that, you know, something breaks in the morning, but the president tweets something or a policy. And this was before the border separations have just kind of he's been able to not fly under the radar is the wrong term because he's certainly out <laughs> there. But Paul Ryan says he didn't see any. He hasn't heard anything. Well, and, and the other thing about Pruitt is that uh, Donald Trump has his back because Scott Pruitt's doing everything in terms of the environmental wrecking right. ball. That uh, Donald Trump wants him to do uh, at EPA. Uh, for the record, we've been keeping track. Uh, so I never thought I'd get to this point by saying I miss Donald Trump's tweets. <laughs> but with all this happening, this controversy about the zero tolerance policy and the kids separated from their parents, we thought for sure, after and yesterday's news conference and all of that, that there would be Trump tweets nonstop this morning. He's been absolutely quiet on wow. this issue. So, But he is headed, Eliza, to, to Capitol Hill today. What's going on? So this was intended to be not 
at all about the zero tolerance policy. The, if you, we remember last fall, he reversed the DACA program, which provided protections for undocumented immigrants who came to the U.S. as kids. Mm-hmm. Unlike these border separations, these people are now, you know, in their 20s, um, mm-hmm. late teens. And basically, he gave Congress six months to act. They failed to do that. The courts ruled that it had to keep the program had to keep going while it basically made its way up through the courts. Ultimately, we're assuming it's going to end up at the Supreme Court. So Congress kind of said, at least the Republicans in Congress kind of said, all right, we're not dealing with that right now. It's an election year. But some moderates in the House recently decided that they did want to deal with that. It's a pretty popular issue. Um, I don't know what the exact recent polling is, but it's certainly more than the majority of Americans support protections and even, I think, citizenship for these dreamers. Um, And so the moderates teamed up with Democrats to try to force a vote. Paul Ryan freaked out because it would go around him and his team. They got pretty close to forcing a vote. They needed 218 signatures. They got to 216. And the report was on the Hill that there were other lawmakers that were ready to sign But basically, the thing about the moderates is they're actually fairly friendly with Paul Ryan and his team. They don't want to screw them over. They just wanted action. They're not like the Freedom Caucus who sort of enjoy doing that. Um, (laughs) So the Freedom Caucus started making demands. They wanted to vote on a conservative bill. The moderates wanted protections for dreamers. Paul Ryan had hosted a bunch of meetings. They came up with what they say is a compromise bill. It's still not clear if everybody in the room at these meetings even supports the bill at this point. Um, but the president, after saying he didn't last week, is now supportive of it. And they're supposed to vote on it later this week. So uh, he's going to come pitch it. There are two bills, right? Two bills. But the first one is this, the Goodlot-McCall bill. This bill has been around for not forever, but for much of this year. It's a conservative bill. It would cut immigration by 25%. It would fund the wall. It would um, make E-Verify mandatory. It has all sorts of things. Defense so you have the cities. extreme bill and the moderate bill. Yes, but clear and, moderate bill is still moderate just for Republicans. Yeah, Democrats don't support the quote-unquote moderate bill. Right, and not all Republicans necessarily, right? Right. We did not think it would pass. I think now there's a chance... If the president gives enough cover to conservatives who think it's too moderate and the moderates, because it does provide a pathway to citizenship for up to 1.8 million people, okay. they might get on board. So then Donald Trump last week, obviously getting off script, said, I, you know, I support the extreme bill, but I could never support the moderate bill, yeah. which freaked everybody out. So and then they had to go back to, you know, then to, with a follow up tweet saying, no, I support yeah. them both. Yeah, but this they let this one sit all day. And I and I'm not exactly clear what happened. They had some White House <coughs> officials talking to outlets saying, "No, no, no. He misspoke. He does support it." But they wouldn't lend their names. And Breitbart was reporting that the White House officials they were talking to were saying, "No, he absolutely does not support it." It was a complete mess, and at like 5.30 Friday night, they went on the record and said he right. does support So it. we got that little sideshow, and, <laughs> and, the, and the president was scheduled to come up and talk, talk to about them. about that. that. Okay. Now, this whole mess at the border has, has exploded. And yesterday, um, Donald Trump blames it on the Democrats, saying mm-hmm. they passed a law that requires us to do this. We have no choice. we got to do it. But Kirsten Nielsen was broader than that she kept she just kept blaming congress 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 did this 
only Congress can fix it. It's outrageous, she said. I'm paraphrasing here, but the point she made over and over again is Congress passes the law. It's up to us to enforce it. And now how dare Congress pass this law and then criticize us for enforcing it? That's you know. absolutely not true. Not, yeah, none of <laughs> it's right, not Republicans or Democrats <laughs> in Congress are actually not responsible for this. It is completely the administration. Okay, I, exactly. We know it was the administration's zero tolerance policy announced in April. But my question is, so when Donald Trump comes up, in effect, his administration has been attacking Congress, mm-hmm. blaming Congress. Who's in charge of Congress? Republicans. Right. So. Yeah. If he walks into that room today, having spent the last two days attacking them and blaming them for these kids being ripped away from their parents, how is he going to get received today? Well, and remember, he's walking into the House who there's well, a real there, chance the House loses their majority. The Senate is yeah, in a better place. So there's the, they're vulnerable. Still, it's still Republican. There's still oh, yeah. Congress. There's still Congress. So I'm saying Republicans in the House are really scared of losing their seats. So this is even, <coughs> I imagine they'll be even more heated than the Senate. Really? Um, yeah. Because there's, they're scared. Yeah. We're seeing Steve Stiver is the head of the NRCC, which is like the campaign arm. He like posted on Facebook last night, I'm writing a letter to demand that the administration stops this. I mean, Mm. they're feeling the heat. He's a congressman. He's a congressman who is in charge of their reelection prospects. They are scared. We saw Ted Cruz in the Senate introduce (laughs) legislation to stop this because he's up for reelection. Or to limit it. Or, you know, fund more. But they're feeling the heat and they're making it very clear that it is not them, that it is the administration. So uh, do you think that they're going to, to jump in anywhere you want, Tom, sure, here, sure, but sure. you think they're going to actually, somebody in this meeting, and there won't be any media and, and reporters in there, that somebody will stand up and say, Mr. President, this is wrong. You've got to stop this. You are hurting us. And by the way, stop attacking us and blaming us. It's not our fault. I don't, I mean, the House is less inclined to criticize the President um, than maybe the Senate. I know senators have but stood up before. But if they're scared. But this is, are... this is a big deal, and I do think they're scared. I imagine you'll hear some um, maybe from either his allies who are more, you know, not as scared of him, or from some of those moderates who are just so scared that they're going to lose their chance that they're like, what do I have to lose? I'm going to stand up and say. I don't think this meeting is going to be about those two immigration bills is really i think it might start that way but i imagine it ends up being about this zero tolerance policy uh, i think it has to be about this zero tolerance well i mean <clears throat> to what you were saying earlier about this being the katrina of the administration match that with with crews coming out and trying to put together some legislation to at least mollify what's happening here this is ted cruz who two yeah. years ago was mr arch conservative you know i'm more tea party than trump could ever be and, you know, and all, and almost succeeded in, you know, maybe not winning the nomination, but at least forestalling the nomination um, with that tactic. Now to see him do a, maybe not a 180, but like a 150 you know, yeah, like a, yeah. on this issue is speaks to that Katrina type uh, a, a dynamic in play here. It's Ted Cruz. This isn't Marco Rubio who will, you know you know, veer back and forth between different items and, and certainly has not been shy about uh, critiquing uh, the, the this administration. It's Cruz who embraced him, you know, over the last year and a half. I mean, that, despite that's what, a marker. Des, despite the things that Trump said about him during the campaign. Yeah, How about Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan? I mean, what are the chances that they're going to just stand up and say, 
no, no, no. We're not responsible. This is not our problem. You created this problem when you d- announced this zero tolerance policy. I wouldn't be surprised if those two have had conversations with the administration already, but they tend to have, they will push back on the president, but they tend to do it behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. I doubt Ryan is going to stand up in front of, you know, all of his members calling out the president. I mean, you, uh, I know, you know he's not, but, but I'm just right, saying, but, where's, but I where's think the leadership? I, and that's what I've been asking lawmakers, you know, are you having conversations with the administration? It's a lot of like letters or going on TV saying, this is not us. Um, I think if this continues, you might see people starting to be more vocal. When you're seeing a Ted Cruz, I think it's kind of reached a it's reached a crisis yeah. point Diane. for Republicans. So Diane Feinstein has legislation in the Senate mm-hmm. which would ban this practice, mm-hmm. signed by every Democrat, every Democrat, including the red state Democrats we keep worrying about or keep hearing about. Or they're the vulnerable ones, but. Joe Manchin, Joe Donnelly, Heidi Heitkamp, Claire McCaskill, they've all signed mm-hmm. this legislation. How many Republicans? None. Yeah. 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 Talk about, you know, more, lack of moral leadership. I mean, none. So no matter what they say, Susan Collins, Jeff Flake, they can say they don't like this at all. But there is a chance for them. Sign this legislation. Not one. So that's what, what I'm curious. Tell you about their, I'm curious their today what happens you know, as this continues and as Nielsen gets up and keeps saying, you know, she's just not telling the truth and they keep blaming the Democrats and Congress, I wonder if someone like a Susan Collins, who is not afraid, and a Jeff Flake, who have not been afraid to stand up to their party before, um, if, you know, people have been kind of holding out not to anger the administration and if you start to see a shift, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some Republicans sign on to that legislation in the next few days if they don't end this policy or make some changes. Well, and this, yeah. and this is why you have, I, it's one, there's many reasons why you have so many um, Republican retirements, especially on the House side, mm-hmm. contributing to this a talk of a blue wave. But one reason is because you have these tough positions, tough issues, scandals, events, instances which keep on popping up courtesy of this administration, most of them unplanned. There doesn't seem to be much of a clear strategy um, involved in this, certainly not a long-term one. And, you know, they get tired of us running up to them saying, oh, hey, you know, listen to this audio of this two-year-old child at the border screaming for their mother, like, and tell us what you think. Right. You know, Joni Ernst, uh, you know, other senators run from us, you know, or they have their their staff get between us, you right. know, so that we can't do that physically. And so it's one thing when, you know, in previous administrations, you want health care for Obamacare, health care, ACA, for instance. When you do do that, the administration has a sense, the executive branch has a sense politically from their alleged affairs team uh, from just general knowledge of how politics and government works, from not being completely novice to the, the entire thing, they know that there has to be some protection. There has to be some cover. You need to help them. And instead, what you have is the total opposite, which is them. it's it's insane. It's I mean, it's it's surreal to see like not only we're we not going to help you, but we're going to say it's your fault. Right. But, so um, my prediction would be that. Um, nothing's going to happen. Neither one of these bills will pass. 
that, I, I don't think either immigration. Right. If, the, I mean, if that, the compromise bill passes the House, which I do think there is a chance, but I'm not sure, you know, maybe 50-50, I just don't know how it passes the Senate. We're at 60 votes. That means McCain is out. That means they need 10 Democrats. I mean, I do think you might see some of these red state Democrats sign on to this bill, especially when they are doing all of these things with just the party like this border separation, like voting against taxes. But I still don't think you get 10. Right. No. So uh, that's my question. I, I do believe one way or the other, either neither bill gets out of the House or maybe one of them does and doesn't get out of the Senate, that we're going to limp into the move into the roar into the midterms or whatever in November with Congress doing nothing on immigration and with this policy at the border. Donald Trump's not going to back down with these kids either. Uh, what's that mean for Republicans in the midterms? I don't think it's good news. I think we saw, I mean, they were scared about this dreamer issue. Dreamers, at least, I mean, talking purely (laughs) about the political, like, image of this, dreamers, at least, are grown-ups who are, can handle themselves, you know, And for the time being, they still are in school. They're still doing their jobs. They still, yeah, right, they're still under the program. You know, you're hearing these stories of a 10-year-old saying they had to learn Mm. how to change the two-year-old's diapers because there's no adults around. I mean, that... And we're hearing the religious right is upset about this. Evangelical mm-hmm. leaders who are Trump supporters are some of them going after the president. But more, you know, when you've lost part of your base on this issue, I don't think that's a it's not a helpful thing going yeah. into midterms. Right. And the suburban moms, I can't imagine, are thrilled by this policy. Um, where did I see that this morning somewhere about uh, you can't don't expect. Yeah, I know. I, I find it <laughs> about suburban moms. It was a Wit Ayers, who's a yes, a, a, well, yeah. very well-known Republican pollster, was quoted yesterday as saying, "Somehow, I don't think that putting kids <laughs> in cages is likely to go over very well with suburban moms." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, mean, put quite yeah. simply, yeah. I just don't. And Republicans have been very vocal about the need to keep suburban moms on their side, white married suburban moms who tend to vote Republican but not overwhelmingly excited to do so. Okay. That's not helpful. Yeah. All right. So let's, how can we win back the votes of these uh, suburban moms? Let's take these, rip these two-year-olds and three-year-olds away from their parents and put them in cages. That gives us an issue we can run on. (laughs) They're insane. Totally insane. And Donald Trump is leading the pack, right? I mean, if I were a Republican, I'd be pretty pissed off at a president who's putting me in this situation of having to go out and defend a program like that. I think he's, you're starting to see with the administration is the classic uh, cleanup. Like, they, I think internally they, there seems to be a, feel, a sense that they, they recognize the problems with this. I saw this morning, I forget where it was, might have been CNN, um, somebody reporting that Kirsten Nielsen, even though she went out and said that um, this is uh, this is right, um, they support this, and it's Congress's fault anyway. Um, but behind the scenes, uh, she had opposed this. Um, you're starting well, to see that cleanup that yeah. happens when you have a problem. And remember, this is it's well, a it's a Stephen Miller item, and yeah. we haven't seen. We, with the departure of Bannon, we have not seen an awful lot of these. This is like one mm-hmm. of the, in, in recent memory at least, this is one of the right. first times we've seen one of these hardcore, hard ideological 
items actually take hold, yeah, actually the fact, take shape. The fact of it is, Stephen Miller and Jeff Sessions have been the outliers among the Republican Party on immigration right. for years. Right. They have always been just as hardline as they are. It's suddenly that they are now in the center of power. Well, yeah. They're running the show now. Before, they were always these... Jeff Sessions, remember, Steve Miller worked for him. They were right. out there as extreme as you could get on immigration. And suddenly, mm-hmm. here they find themselves driving the car. Right, and, and Republicans Over are realizing cliff, that's, not, that's not so <laughs> helpful for these moderate Republicans who are trying to do cleanup for the DACA reversal from last fall that not... You know, that was kind yeah. of the last time the administration came out and said, yeah. did something that was against what the majority of Americans believe yeah. because the base was for that. And Republicans yeah. haven't been able to f- figure out how to come together and fix that. Yeah. Right. So does this mean uh, that do you hear w- w- uh, <laughs> let's say nothing happens. What are Republicans doing about getting Donald Trump uh involved in their camp or how do they deal with him then do they do, do they just say well he's my president I'm I support him on everything but this or do they invite him to come in a campaign for them I think it depends where they are I mean the problem is we saw last week Mark Sanford loses primary because he criticized the president so Republicans are in a very tough space because the base still supports what Trump is doing. I'm not sure exactly where they fall they on this. They love what he's doing. They love what he's doing. He do. is the most popular president with Republicans mm-hmm. in years. Yeah, by the way, we can, yeah, we can add this, wherever, wherever it is, uh, I just had it here somewhere, the poll, the latest poll on Donald Trump. Yeah. Mm. Gallup poll, 45% of Americans approve of his performance, mm. 50% That's disapprove. That's for him. Wow. 45 That's... is the highest to date from Gallup. This is before zero tolerance, right? This is before zero tolerance. So I am curious where that is. I bet that goes down. Yeah. But Republicans are very supportive of what the president's doing, and they need the base to win, but they also need soft Republicans and independents, and this is turning off And you ask why people, members of Congress, aren't going after him and, you know, why people don't put their names on Feinstein bills. That's your answer. Mm -hmm. On Mm -hmm. the House, it's because you're, you're on the board every two years. And then for I mean going I mean going back to Cruz he's you know Cruz faces a Ted Cruz Texas Ted Cruz Tea faces Party Ted challenge. Cruz faces a challenge yeah it's insane I mean it's like this the world the the rules of politics the the rules are still the same but the the game the arena has just been flipped on its head go Beto I mean look the Beto fa- O'Rourke <laughs> go Beto the fact that Ted Cruz in Texas is facing a Latino. In the middle of this story is not good news for Ted Cruz. Mm. There's no way around it. This is bad news for Ted Cruz. And he's got to recognize. He does recognize. Well, he it. does. He yeah, is, he does. That's he's why on he's, a, yeah. a 150-degree flip, <laughs> as Tom said, you know, on this legislation. The fact that Ted Cruz is even sponsoring legislation that does anything with this is noteworthy. I would say, as someone who has covered Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. has sort of... He has moved more towards the center of the party. He's not at least, he's not on the far right, right. anymore. Um, Republic, is the Senate staying in for uh, August? What's the latest on they that? They are. They'll be here for oh. three weeks in August. They are there to basically confirm nominations. Um, if they actually say that full three weeks, I have my doubts. I think that they'll start doing some nominations in bulk, as they did last year when they were supposed to stay two weeks and stayed about three days. Oh. 
But it's an election year. Keeping those red mm. state Democrats off the trail it is in Mitch McConnell Mitch McConnell's like best do. interest. And if they don't show up to vote for these nominations and instead go on the trail, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's an ad. Mm-hmm. I remember the presidential campaign. Marco Rubio spent a lot of time campaigning, and there were a bunch of ads. Oh, yeah. You know, with his percentage of votes he missed. And uh, the House, though, will be out. House right. is out. Yep, they're like <laughs> they they have sent over because they can. It's a Republican majority that is comfortable. They can vote on GOP only bills. They say they've sent over like 500 bills that have not been taken up in the Senate. That's because they won't pass the Senate. But um, they feel that they've done their job. Kevin McCarthy said, you know, the Senate is basically like, has to stay after school. They didn't finish their work. We did. <laughs> is how he explained it to us. God. I love the bicameral sniping. Yeah. It's oh, it is. The Republican versus Republican bicameral such, is no, the competition. Such game playing. Such children. Oh my. Okay. Eliza, so good to see you. You too. USAToday.com and Tom Lovianco. Good luck with the book. Have a Thanks, great Bill. day, folks. Come back and see us tomorrow. We'll be looking for you. Bill Press Show.